Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. Today's speaker is Stephen Brannan. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, God is one. Amen. Last night at the Pascha Vigil uh, is read the Paschal Homily by St. John Chrysostom. And everyone attending that liturgy will hear the words. Let no one bewail his poverty, for the universal kingdom has been revealed. Let no one weep for his iniquities, for pardon has shone forth from the grave. Let no one fear death, for the Savior's death has set us free. He that was held prisoner of it has annihilated it. By descending into hell, he made hell captive. He embittered it when, he tasted of its, when it tasted of his flesh. And Isaiah, foretelling this, did cry, Hell, said he, was embittered when it encountered you in the lower regions. It was embittered, for it was abolished. It was embittered, for it was mocked. It was embittered, for it was slain. It was embittered, for it was overthrown. It was embittered, for it was fettered with chains. It took a body and met God face to face. It took earth and encountered heaven. It took that which was seen and fell upon the unseen. O death, where is your sting? O hell, where is your victory? Christ is risen and you are overthrown. Christ is risen and the demons are fallen. Christ is risen and the angels rejoice. Christ is risen and life reigns. Christ is risen and not one dead remains in the grave. For Christ, being risen from the dead, is become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. To him be glory and dominion unto ages of ages. Amen. There are two features of what we just heard in that rhetorical tour de force, a picture of two distinct things. One is Christ descending into hell, into Hades, and the other is Christ rising again. These two um, features of Pascha, of Good Friday, Holy Saturday, and Easter Sunday, are they make up the truth of Easter for us. And the truth of Easter is the triumph of God over his enemies, over our enemies, namely sin, death, and the forces of evil. And this truth is not just a philosophical idea. It's not just rhetoric or poetry or a fairy tale with a lesson to be derived from it. Uh, this truth is not a mere doctrine to be set alongside other doctrines in order to form some complete religion that we can subscribe to in order to make us feel complete or um, whole or correct or, God forbid, comfortable. The truth of Easter has changed the entire world and cannot be undone. It is binding It is finished. And from the moment Jesus spoke those words on the cross and gave up his soul, human death was forever changed. Now, we begin at the moment that Jesus gives up the ghost in the old language with that first of the uh, two distinct realities that St. John (coughs) describes. Christ, at that moment, enters into a place, if we want to call it a place, Uh, It's more like a a shadowy mode of existence in which our first father and mother, Adam and Eve, found themselves after they died. 
They died because they listened to and were deceived by a serpentine liar, the father of lies, in fact, and disobeyed the one commandment that God had given them. Their disobedience separated them from God, meaning that they shifted their very existence away from the only one who could sustain their existence, and thus death entered their nature. When they found themselves torn in two, soul from body, they also found that ancient serpent had made himself the gatekeeper of that shadowy place and the master of the beast whose jaws we call death. And every son of Adam and daughter of Eve from that time has likewise sinned and all have likewise tasted death, save one. There was once a daughter of Eve who had a son which was no son of Adam. The son of Mary was instead the son of God, who had chosen to become incarnate in the fullness of time. He became like us in every way except that he did not sin. And so when he encountered death, it was voluntary, entering those jaws not as a victim, but as a victor. Death, not realizing that in swallowing this man had just allowed itself to be swallowed by God, was actually ransacked from within. Uh, It was a Trojan horse kind of situation. Jesus entered death, death not knowing what it had just led into itself. The gates were broken down and the gatekeeper, the devil himself, was bound. We see this illustrated in this icon. This reality is, uh, is sometimes titled anastasis, resurrection in Greek, or uh, the, the standing up. Um, but this is actually a depiction of Christ entering Hades. This is him going into that realm, trampling down the gates of hell. And down here are all the locks and chains. And right here in the darkness is the gatekeeper, the devil himself, now bound up by Christ. The place of darkness was overcome by the light of God. The light shines in the darkness, says the Apostle John. Some translations say that the darkness didn't comprehend it. Some say that the darkness did not overcome it. Well, the darkness neither comprehended nor overcame it. It couldn't even react to it. The darkness was completely overcome. Because this happened a long time ago, 2,000 years now, and involve our ancient ancestors and occurred in a realm, well, that we can't see with our own eyes, uh, sometimes it seems maybe a bit unreal to us, maybe a little irrelevant, at least a bit distant. But death is not irrelevant to any one of us. Death, which is never so very distant and which may come at any moment for any of us, instantaneously unites us with thousands of generations of ancestors and reveals to us that hidden realm. What's different about death now is that its jaws have no venom. Where, O death, is now your sting? Now death's gates are broken and shattered. Where, O hell, is now your victory? Now that shadowy place is populated only by those who rejected the light when it so brightly shone in it. Its pitiful gates are uh, pushed back up and, and somewhat blocking the door, but they're only locked, as they say, from the inside at this point. Those who have chosen the light and have faith in Jesus are in the newly opened paradise with the penitent thief and all the righteous souls who were once in prison and with Adam and Eve. Uh, like Bo was uh, talking about last Sunday in his homily, 
what Christ's death does to us, what it does for us, is transforms this one abode, the place we were all destined, into uh, a, a fork in the road. Now, because of the death of Christ, we either have the option to go sit in that dark, shadowy place like, uh, like we were forced to once upon a time, but now of our own volition, or if we trust in Christ and choose to follow him, the gates of paradise are open to us. Those two places, paradise and the shadowy realm of Hades, are now waiting areas for a more final and um, complete reality uh, that we will find ourselves in after the judgment of Christ in the end. So what Christ did to death is real and it matters to us, all of us, all of us who must still enter death, who must still uh, taste death and meet that fork in the road. The difference that Christ's death has made means now, though, we have a question before us. Will we enter it as victims like before or as victors like Christ? But how could we enter death like victors, we sinners who are not God? We transform our death into Christ's death, firstly through baptism, being buried with Christ in the cleansing water, and then by living a life of repentance, continually offering ourselves to God and picking up our cross and carrying it. We carry it straight into death with us, just like Christ in the icon. What is he holding when he walks into death? He's holding either a banner with a cross on it or um, a, 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 you know, like a, a, a cross. He's carrying his own cross into Hades with him as if it's the key. The, the, the gates of death are there and he has the key to unlock them. Actually, the key to destroy them altogether. And if we are to transform our death into Christ's death, and to be victors in death instead of victims, we also must carry that key. We must carry the cross with us. So bearing that weapon of the cross into death, we are admitted into paradise. But even if all of this is still too difficult to sort of hang on to, to grasp, uh, to really sink our teeth into as a reality that matters to us, that animates us and drives us and motivates us. Even if all of this is still too far away or removed to pierce our hearts and unlock our minds, the harrower of hell, Christ, reemerged from the other side of death and re-entered history on a Sunday morning in the springtime in a garden just outside Roman-occupied Jerusalem. The resurrection of Jesus is a historical event. Eyewitnesses have given their testimony. We have four different gospel accounts of uh, what happened that morning. It's a little confused because it, uh, it was very shocking. Did the women encounter the angels first and then run to go get the disciples? Or did they see the empty tomb and then get the disciples and then run and then counted the angels? And at what point did Mary encounter Jesus in the garden and mistake him for the gardener? It, it all you know, gets a little jumbled from one story to the other. But frankly, that's more evidence that something real and true happened that Sunday morning. They didn't all get together and get their stories uh, straight and, and play out this you know, pre-rehearsed uh, narrative to uh, the people in order to fool them. Some people still think that the Christian message of the resurrection is some trick in order to gain a following and, and get power somehow. Christians from the get-go were confused by this. It took 
them time to understand the reality of Jesus' resurrection. And once they understood it, they were willing to die for it. Who dies for a message that was made up? Even those accused of making it up were willing to die for it. What they died for, all the apostles, um, was something that was real and really happened. When life is difficult and things don't make sense and we wonder why God has made things the way that they are, sometimes even if we wonder if God exists at all, the reality of the historical resurrection should be enough to ground us in the fact that God is real and God is love. God came to earth as a man and conquered death for us. He did things in a shadowy realm that we don't really understand out of love for us. But what we can understand is that he came back to show us, to prove to us that death had no power over him. There's nothing shadowy or hard to grasp about showing wounded hands and feet or eating broiled fish on a beach. You know, this is real. And that's what we celebrate this morning, both the reality of what our Lord did in death and his bringing that to bear on the life that we live now. The reality of Easter isn't just something that we look forward to uh, reaping the benefits of at our moment of death. This is something that has consequences on the life that we live today. We celebrate his, his victorious death and his glorious resurrection as we sing on Good Friday. We venerate thy cross, O Lord, and praise and glorify thy holy resurrection. It's the resurrection of Christ that gives us confidence to die like him and with him because we know that we will also share in his resurrection ourselves. But it's also Christ's resurrection that gives us the confidence to live for him and like him. When there's a new heaven and a new earth and all of the ages of ages to follow in that world to come, we will continue growing from glory into glory, always glorifying him who is our life. Christ is risen and life reigns. Christ is risen and not one dead remains in the grave. For Christ, being risen from the dead, is become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. To him be glory and dominion unto ages of ages. Amen. Talks at Advent. Homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia.